Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Styling Advisory Podcast. I'm Sarah Cohen, your host, uh, and I realize that I've actually never introduced myself before. So episode 15, welcome everyone. Today I am talking with Rosie McKay, who is an Australian stylist. She has over 15 years experience in the editorial world and a few years ago launched her own personal styling business. And she's built this virtual styling platform called My Virtual Stylist, where she offers clients these quarterly styling subscriptions. And I know you're all super interested in learning more about how to set up a subscription and what to offer. But today what we're going to focus on is the client journey. So Rosie has two different types of clients and they each approach booking in for a new service differently. Knowing how your client makes purchasing decisions will help you tweak the touch points and the journey for her to increase bookings, to increase those conversions. So we'll be talking about who these two types of clients are, what they need from Rosie to make a decision to book in with her, um, how they like to engage with her, how she's used this information to tweak her services, and a little bit of entrepreneurial advice and guidance from Rosie at the end. I know you'll love this interview. It's really useful for those of you those of you that are starting to think about building a subscription and those of you that might also be looking at other businesses right now and thinking, oh gosh, have I set up the right things? It looks like everyone's commenting on the, those posts, but I'm getting DMs. Kind of makes sense of the differences that we experience when we're growing a business. If you've got any questions, as always, email them through, DM or apply to the posts. And I hope you enjoy. So Rosie, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Sarah. It's great to be here with you, actually. It's great to reconnect. I know we've been in the industry for a long time and our paths have crossed many times. So it's it's actually really exciting that they're crossing once again. Yes, and in a different light, I guess, because back in the day, you were an editorial stylist for Who and OK and a whole host of other titles. And I was in PR desperately trying to get um, stylists like yourself to put my products in the magazines and now we're both on the personal styling side which is a really exciting place to be given the last sort of six to eight months of um, of COVID. Definitely and I and I think and as we've discussed I think the thing that for me COVID actually made me really double down personal styling stream of my business and I always knew that that's the the piece of my career that gave me the most joy because you're you're helping ordinary people, everyday people, feel like they can achieve extraordinary things, um, and that's the most beautiful thing to me about being able to work in the personal styling realm. And I loved editorial styling, and sadly, it's just part of the industry that's probably dying now that magazines are just not given a place. Well, it, I mean, the model itself was pretty difficult for up-and-coming brands to be able to get that reach. You know, they couldn't afford to advertise and so, uh, and this finite amount of pages for the content for that month, you know, being a weekly or a monthly publication, whereas with social media and other digital channels, you get to build that reach and brand awareness for free in different ways. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to magazines, so we would work anywhere between four and six weeks in advance. And there were so many guidelines around 
what could go in and how much crap, you know, did, is there a celebrity affiliation? Cause I was on weekly celebrity, weekly magazines. So it always had to be like a celebrity tie in, even if it was a beautiful product that you're like, no, this is a beautiful product in its own right, which is what I love now about social media and um, working in the personal styling realm is that if you find something you love, there's not this criteria around has to have a celebrity link, has to have this. You can actually say, I've found this brand or this product that I love and you can share it with people who are actively engaging with you and building that, I guess, discovering new brands is part of the the job that I love most. Like I love hunting out those little boutique finds or those, you know, those small brands that, you know, undiscovered and then kind of grow into something bigger and I do love that about social media that there is a place for that growth so interesting that you say that you love finding all these different brands something I became aware of myself recently was that when you're not a stylist you might have maybe maximum like 10 brands or online retailers that you would have a look at their website, scroll through social media and see what products are available. But when you do work with a stylist, you've got this repository of, you know, brands and retailers and little boutiques and and other outlets that is, you know, a hundred times that. So the opportunity to work with a personal stylist to gain access to all of these brands is a really exciting selling point and something that I haven't really seen communicated as clearly. The fact is, if you're shopping on your own, you seem more likely to check in Australia, your witchery, your country road, a bit of seed, you know, maybe a bit of the iconic or DJs or something like that. But then working with a stylist, the parameters are suddenly so much broader because you guys know where the stuff is. Definitely. It's so interesting you actually said. So I'm working, as I mentioned, I've got a client in the UK, a virtual styling client in the UK, and there's a UK brand called Rixo, um, which I absolutely love. So I bought my first piece, first Rixo dress from Netta Porter a few seasons ago, and I just love the quality of the fabric. I love the way it felt on the body. And so I was working with this with client in the UK and I was like, oh, have you heard of the brand Rixo? You know, she's like, no. And I was like, okay. I am going to put two pieces of theirs in your shoppable video edit and Mm -hmm. please trust me when I say you are going to fall in love with this brand. And she did and she bought the skirt and the dress and they were both for her unexpected buys because they're like they're not pieces I would have ever thought to buy myself but I love them so much. And so just from that she is now I guess for them convert you know she is a fan of their brand and for me I feel like that has allowed me to you know she's a subscription client as well now because she she's like I know All Saints I know Reese I know Topshop but beyond that she wasn't aware of, of of the possibilities and so she loved the fact, the thing that is was one of the main selling points for her was the fact that I could introduce her to brands that she'd never heard of and that was what was enabling her to give her her style edge. So let's go back to your virtual styling service. I think in 2017 you mentioned you launched your personal styling arm to the business. Take the listeners through the the kind of pivot and the services that you offer now. Sure. So I worked full-time in magazines until 2011 and then I went freelance and and still at that time, so magazines were kind of, there were a lot of changes happening in publishing in magazines and so I was probably one of the first kind of 
mad girls to make that jump into freelance world because you know you get those roles they're, they're highly coveted when you're on a magazine you don't you don't want to relinquish them. No. But I had an opportunity to come up to work with a presenter on a new show and I wasn't able to do both concurrently. And I just had this gut feeling that if I didn't take that opportunity in that at that time, I just I would have missed something. And for me, what I would have missed is going freelance and starting my own business. And then for the next kind of from 2011 to 2015, I contracted back a lot to the publishing industry whole host of magazines I was um, I did a stint as fashion director on Bride to Be magazine so still very much entrenched in that um, publishing a magazine world but by the time I had my second um, child Maya in 2017 the landscape of publishing had changed so much so they had really stopped freelancing out the styling of um, shoots. They were getting talent to kind of dress themselves. Most fashion magazines had their own teams and they weren't freelancing out um, much of the work or because a lot of them syndicated, they were pulling in the content from their international publications. Exactly. And so something that would always come, come up a lot for me when I was working with celebrities do you do personal styling? Because I was able to find these pieces and dress them in ways that they didn't know how to do themselves or they're like, I can't believe that actually worked on me. Like I can't believe that that look looked great. And so it happened quite organically in that I was doing personal styling kind of ad hoc, but because a lot of people had been asking me about it, I thought, you know what, like this is something I really, really love. And so I decided to um, formalise the offering under the banner of myvirtualstylist.com.au. And I have been an online shopper since 2007, like the inception of online shopping. When Netta Porter kind of first, I just jumped on board and people would always look at me like, what do you mean you buy it without trying on? And I was like, well, you take your measurements and you compare. And I think because I did it in my everyday work where I was dressing people, real life people, only using sizes and measurements. So it was something that was very natural to me. Yeah. And so I always knew I wanted a virtual because the scope and the breadth of basically the brands and the the choice was so much wider um and so then I I launched so I launched my virtual stylist and so I launched it both as a virtual service and in person because I was like well I want to be able to still have those touch points where if people want to work with me one-to-one I can do that as in in person but if I can do it virtually and through Zoom and using tools like ShopShare, um, which I know you've had M on the podcast as well, where you yeah. can create these virtual um, shoppable edits that people can literally shop from their devices, then I'm, I was all in on, on all fronts. And um, to that end, what I wanted to talk to you about today is your core client that's the virtual styling client. When we spoke earlier, I, I think we're, we're both of a similar um, attitude that you need to consider the client journey that you'll be taking your you know, prospective and, and existing clients on and how that weaves into the services that you offer. So we'll talk a little bit about the services later, but to begin with, you've got two kind of like client segments, don't you? Definitely. So I have they're very definite to me as well. I have the client that will look at the package, add it to cart, check it out, fill in their style profile. It's like black and white to them in that they don't need any more questions. They don't need to ask any more questions. They're happy to kind of 
go through the process because it's all laid out quite in depth in my website and what you'll get and how it all kind of works. And then the other client is the client that will DM me and say, I'm interested in this package. Can I get a bit more info or can I jump, you know, on a call with you and then I'll jump on a call with them and I'll answer their questions and I'll talk it through. And I guess the conversion piece is the fact that I've gotten on the phone with them. Which is so often the case. Which is so often the case because, and I and I do get it because there is a bit more warmth behind it. They, they can actually get a sense of me as a person. Um, even though I, I definitely feel like I communicate that very well on my socials as well. I do think there are some people that just, that human connection piece, even though we're on a, it, it just helps to cement, yes, this is the right person that I'm willing to invest my money in because you've got to remember they're not getting a tangible product. So when you're selling services, it it, it is it's some it's an emotional kind of transaction. And so that client really needs to talk to me to make sure I understand what they need and and to also make sure I'm on the same page as them. And so I, as I mentioned, you know, one of the most memorable clients is one who you know, she actually Facebook messaged me and from the first message she sent me to us actually doing a three-hour session, it was 18 months of communication. World's longest client journey. World's longest client journey. But it's interesting. There's some, there are some people, as you said, that that feel confident. Potentially, they're already familiar with virtual styling services or styling services in general. And then there are those that they're, they're kind of hearing about this concept for the first time and they've never been served in this way before. They've done their shopping and their dressing of their own you know, um, accord up until now. So it does stand to reason that that there'll be uh, a pocket of clients that need a lot more work in the awareness and the consideration phase of the buyer cycle. Definitely. And I also think it's a generational thing. So, you know, my older client, my kind of 40 plus client, that they use obviously digital platforms and social media. Yes, we do. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm 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 37 and I'm I would not say that I'm like your Gen Ys and Gen Zs. They're they're totally they are they are shopping from Instagram. They are like as much as I love online, they are just right into all the yeah. digital kind of side of things. Whereas I do think the ladies who are a little bit older who are using the platform, but they're still there's that human connection piece that is important to them. They're not they're not as willing to just um, and I say this from experience of the two client segments. So, so I say this, my mid thirties, early thirties client, they're the clients that have probably been the ones that are just like add to cart, go through. I think they're so used to working in that digitized way of, you know, the process of just checking out. Whereas, I mean, even myself, like I sometimes want to make sure that there's someone at the other end to speak to as well. It's not just a computer doing it all. Absolutely. And again, when it comes to this client journey, it's so vital that you know who your core client is. And this, when I say this, I mean the segment of people with similar values, similar needs, similar pain points that you'll be marketing to who will most likely book your services. Because as we know, there are, there is sort of the full spectrum. There'll be people on either end. But when we talk about marketing, and building a business strategy to appeal and attract those people, that's what we mean when we say your core client. And with that core client, knowing how they buy, knowing what their purchasing behavior is, is an opportunity for you to tweak your 
email marketing, your social media content, and your services and the approach you use to guide them towards booking in. And it's so vital. It, it, it kind of creates a three-dimensional holistic experience rather than you having your website saying, Bank, these are the services I offer, wardrobe edit, virtual styling, shoppable board, crack on. Exactly. You really need to tailor the actual experience step by step. How have you used that methodology to sort of shape your business? I'm really keen. I want to understand and I want to understand my my client's pain points so I can speak to them because it's awesome if I say I can do this, I can create monthly mood boards, but if that's not what they want, then they're, they're not going to actually keep going on the customer. They're not going to become clients. They're just going to become consumers of your content instead of actually going, I want to work with her because she Such understands. Such a good point she understands what I need. And so for me, I try and speak to, in everything I do, I try and speak to what I know they either feel like they're not confident in or what they what they want or what they want to know. Um, and so, you know, I know one of the things that my clients struggle with a lot is putting together outfits. And that's one of the things that they they say that they tell me that they love about me. It's not that I'm shopping all the time. It's the fact that I can show them how to do more with what they already own. And I have a, a real quality over quantity philosophy. So I will always talk about, you know, if you've got a choice between a quick fix or saving up a little bit more for that special piece that you're going to love, then save up for that special piece you're going to love because when you think about the psychology of fashion as well you're more inclined to want to wear a piece that you love over and over because it makes you feel good and also because there's an emotional investment in there because you've saved up to get that piece and I feel like that's the same when you're working with a stylist like it's it's an emotional investment and so understanding those layers of all of those kind of emotions that it takes to go through the customer journey has really helped me to refine what it is they want and package that up for them. Mm. And so then when we talk about packages and the value ladder, I know we've spoken in the past about how important it is to consider the different types of services or packages or experiences you can offer your clients to move them towards that core investment. Can you tell us a little bit about the packages or the programs that you've developed and, and how that relates to the overall value ladder? Definitely. So this is something I'm I'm working on right now, really establishing my value ladder. So my express style package is my virtual only package and it's 3.30. So my packages start from 3.30 um, and that's virtual only. They get a 90 minute block of time with me, which I often cut into two kind of um, appointments. So the first initial consult, I go away, I put together their edit. And then once they've they've bought their pieces from that shopping edit, we catch up again and we do a style coaching session where I show them all the different outfit combinations with those pieces and integrating pieces that they already own. They get a style lookbook so that way they've got a catalogue of all those looks and all the kind of tips. So that's my entry-level virtual styling package. My next package is $4.95 and that is an expansion on that. You get more time with me if you're working with me virtually, but I also offer that as 
one-to-one as well in person. So if someone says, I actually want to do this in person, that is a three-hour in-person session with me. And so I think being able to differentiate between a quick kind of fix and something that's got a little bit more extension in it is where that sweet spot is for me in that virtual kind of realm. They're my two most popular packages in terms of the virtual. Then when I move into working with someone who wants an image rebrand and a full-on kind of they want a wardrobe overhaul, but it's more than that, they're looking to find themselves. They're looking for a transformation. And so I offer a image reboot, which is my $999 package. And that is actually a three-part, three-part kind of package. Three-parter. Yeah, it's a three-parter. So we declutter, we def- redefine their, their style ID. How do they want to feel? How do they want to look? And how do they want to show up every day? We really get into that. We remove the things from their wardrobe that no longer serve them. So we decide what we're going to donate, what we're going to repair if there's something that needs to be repaired, and then what, what needs to go into the bin because some things are just not able to go in either of those um, piles. And then from there we do our, our shop and the style coaching where we put everything together and we create the looks that now suit their and show off their image rebrand. And so that goes across a couple of months and it's it's I still have my clients sending me pictures. Like it unleashes a confidence in them to really express themselves through style where once before they were scared that they were going to get it wrong. And I think that's a really beautiful outcome of that very in-depth one-to-one package. And then how how have you evolved into the subscription membership model um, using those, I guess, as a base or as a testing ground to see what people need and want? Definitely. So um, my going back to my virtual package, the 495 Express Style Reboot, that is the one that I've based my subscription on. So what I've done to make it a little bit more competitive and to make it, I guess, attractive for people to subscribe to, I've put it at a $399 per season um, subscription price. So it's a little bit lower than their initial investment. And what happens is at the start of every um, season, so once a quarter, basically, we catch up for um, a 45-minute consult and I chat to them about, okay, what? how's your wardrobe going? How are the pieces um, that we bought in our initial session going? What are the gaps that you need? filled for the next season and then I'll go off and put together their new season shopping edit bearing in mind what they already own and what they've told me they need and then we'll catch up again for another 45 minutes after they've purchased those pieces and I'll show them coach them through how to pull them together into outfits I find as I said before that that style coaching that really one-to-one showing them the possibilities of their pieces is where they get so much value because the way that I see outfits or the way that I see style is completely different to how a lot of my clients even they they're just quite narrow in in terms of how things go together of course I, I guess it and um it's a really clever idea to pitch that in per season um Already I'm thinking when it starts to get cold in Melbourne, immediately I go and buy knits. They are horrendous. I end up throwing them away the next season, you know, the next winter. 
So it would be such a smart idea to go, okay, before I spend all of my money with fast fashion, quick purchases, trying to anticipate trends, particularly with knits, I'm so funny about this, uh, so many fabrics, um, ball and pill immediately. Yeah. And then you look shabby. Um, you're better off working with someone to plan out what the, the purchases are weaving them back in with your wardrobe it's such a it's a much more considered sustainable approach to shopping that eventually will become commonplace i think we're just still in in quite a pivotal new environment where people are, are, are kind of testing the waters going is this a good way to spend my money am i going to get value for money here or is it better that i just continue to throw money at every other fast fashion brand on my own so it's going to take some time. I completely agree. But I do think when when you've got the likes of Chanel stopping production and, you know, being very conscious of how much output of, you know, I guess waste is going into the world and really putting that emphasis on quality and, and being more savvy when we're spending our money, like I think it's going to filter down. I think people are, you know, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we probably live a life of a lot of excess absolutely and you know that the most important things are actually you know not things we can purchase per se and so I think that it is an era of new consciousness and I think working with a professional that can actually show you how to spend your money in a way that's sustainable is going to become commonplace. And it's funny you talk about knits. Before we jumped on this call, I was planning planning my um, session with my my subscription client. I've got my my consult with her tomorrow. Obviously, in the UK, they're going into winter, and so I was looking at this beautiful turtle cashmere turtleneck bodysuit that she can layer under some of those lighter pieces that we bought for her spring-summer edit. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just picturing a cashmere bodysuit near your private parts. That's what I'm imagining. Very <laughs> soft. It's a, it's a cashmere. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, thought I, just, I have to say it or I'll just start laughing and you won't know why. So. <laughs> takes, luxury, takes luxury to a whole new level. Yeah, look, that's an unnecessary part. I'd just be happy with the cashmere jumper, no? Just tuck it in. It's a fine, it's a fine knit. Right. <laughs> it's a layer, it's a layering piece. But my point is, is that before she goes and throws a whole heap of money at, like you say, fast fashion woolen yep. pieces that are just going to ball, are just going to pill, and she can't really do much with it. You know, they're going to look bulky if you put them over things. You know, you think of solutions where they can buy these beautiful fabrics that are going to feel good on the body, but also it gives the pieces they already own longevity. It makes complete sense. And I think that the age of the mindful consumer is going to influence what we see are the trends moving forward and a move towards being conscious about our excess, what we purchase, what we discard, how we reuse. It's an exciting time. It's its certainly a long time coming. And again, here's an opportunity to appreciate and celebrate the support of stylists who are professionally trained to help you rediscover what's in your wardrobe, mix and match things properly so you get additional value for what you've already purchased. That's exactly right. That's, I, that is one of the biggest things, like one of the most important things for me is not to add to the consumer culture per se, but to show people how they can do more with what they own. And a lot of the time 
the amount of stuff we declutter from a, I declutter from a client's wardrobe, we only end up adding in one fifth of that. You know, I get very clear on what are the pieces that you need to extend the life of what you already own and just elevate your entire style. Mm, it's the connecting pieces. I think you're either good at, at buying connecting pieces or you're good at buying what I call theatrical pieces, which make no sense when all ha- hanging in my wardrobe. So there's there's two different kind of purposes there. But ultimately, you want to connect the dots within your wardrobe. So you've got, you know, five or six different ways to wear every piece. That's what being a conscious consumer is. Definitely. Well, I, I, I tell everyone you need to have your classic core wardrobe sorted. So I believe there's 20 pieces that need to be within that classic core wardrobe and a few of those. So I think there's about three of them that I call your personality pieces. So basically they're the pieces that might be interchangeable every season. So there's a fashion skirt, a little, a little bold dress, I call it. And what's the other one? That's great. Like a fun jacket? Yeah, a statement jacket, right? So they're interchangeable every season because they're the pieces that you can still wear with your white T-shirt and your white trainers or your white T-shirt and your black pump and they'll instantly create an outfit. So I've actually done a little bit of bit of style maths, I call it. And I've been able to, from 20 pieces, show my clients how to make over 120 outfits. Unreal. That alone is why you should work with a stylist. Everyone. That alone, that is super exciting. And that's where you get that dopamine hit. You know, where where we I guess we kind of assume we get that um hit of of or that rush of adrenaline when we are buying something online. But you can experience that same thrill when you are rediscovering the newness of outfit combinations. Yes, yes, yes. Now before we wrap up, I wanted to talk to you. You are a business owner. I know you have three kind of separate arms, two of which we've spoken about today. And I think it's also useful to hear from business owners and entrepreneurial women on just from a mindset perspective, you know, how you approach growing your business and keeping that momentum. I know we spoke the other day about always testing and tweaking, like continually evolving what you offer and not just having a plug and play approach to your business. Do you want to elaborate on that for everyone? Definitely. So, As I mentioned before, one of the things I'm really focusing on in my own business at the moment is creating that value ladder. So I'm actually working on a membership style program, a monthly subscription group membership style program. And I'm I'm working on that because I really understand that there are people that need to buy into your service at different levels. So, you know, as I said, my my entry-level virtual um, service is 3.30. People who had not experienced personal styling before may find that's still out of their reach. So for me, I'm, I'm starting to experiment with, okay, can a monthly group membership work? Can I address these pain points at a price that people feel like they can buy into? And, you know, I used to be, and I I talk about this a lot when I'm working with, you know, my own coaching clients, the fear of failure used to hold me back so much. But when you're an entrepreneur, it teaches you so many lessons. You know, all it can take is one tweak to something that you think you've failed at or something that you think has failed, and it can become a success story. So it's about, you know, I wrote about this on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago. You know, being an entrepreneur is not about making a lot of money. It's about having the will to keep going every day, no after no, 
you know, failure after failure, it's about having that will to go, okay, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try again. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have every day is going to be a walk in the park. No. Quite opposite because a lot of the time we're working by ourselves as well. So it's like you have to be self-motivated. So my advice is to, you know, keep things in perspective and also don't don't be afraid to, you know, a lot of people buy into this fake it till you make it. I just don't buy into that. I think that what that actually does is perpetuates this feeling of pretense and also like you're living up to something that you can't necessarily live up to. You know, be it until you become it. So believe you can do it and take small actionable steps every day that will just move you closer to your goal. But it's about testing. It's about being, you know, unattached to in the greatest sense of whether it works or fails because, you know, I was having this conversation with my husband who is the poor person that hears the most about everything. <laughs> but he said to me, he's like, just take Colonel Sanders. He said he was 56 and how many failed businesses before he actually landed on that winning KFC chicken. Secret seasoning. Secret seasoning. <laughs> it, he was 56. He's like, you know, just because it doesn't happen the first time, it doesn't mean that that idea is no good. It might just need a tweak. And so I really believe that, you know, being an entrepreneur is being unafraid to fail and getting back up and trying again. Totally. And to that point, this is, I've, I forgot, but this is actually, it makes sense to connect the dots now. It's really, it's really easy to compare yourselves to others. Something that I have noticed when speaking to stylists from around the world that are marketing to completely different customer segments that have different levels of expertise, there is this obsession with social media engagement. I have to get, I have to sit on, you know, on social media for an hour a day to engage with people. And I often look at myself or I observe myself as a consumer consumer. I buy a lot of crap from online all the time. I laugh at all of the gadgets that I've purchased whilst in lockdown. And yet I have never, ever, ever commented on a brand page once in my life. So I am still engaged. I'm still buying. I'm still in a cycle and being converted, but I'm not necessarily writing a comment or liking a post. I'm consuming content. I'm not necessarily entering into a dialogue. And I think that's really interesting to note for you that you will get direct messages, which are, you know, you're able to convert into bookings, but not necessarily comments. Just want to flag this for everyone listening. Tell us your experience. So, uh, you know, I have had moments where I think to myself, does anyone even really like this content that I'm producing? Like, what, like, I don't understand. Like, they're not telling me what they want. They're like, you know, I am getting caught up in that engagement piece. And then I get these beautiful messages in my DMs and sometimes they're like, oh, I loved that video I watched or sometimes it's like, oh, I love those shoes. Where You know, people want this one-on-one, so my direct messages, I nurture that. But I also just think that your clients are so different. So if, you, if you're watching a stylist who's getting a lot of engagement, it could just be purely because, you know, her core market perhaps are stay-at-home mums or, you know, people with, that are so connected to their devices that, that that's their community. That is their, their community and that is why they're engaging. Where there's, I feel like my client is the busy professional with children who is often doing three things while checking their phone. So they don't have the time to necessarily write me a beautiful comment. 
Yeah. And the other thing is, if we think about how we've consumed media, so our generation and older, we consumed media in a solo um, environment. We would buy a magazine. For me, I I loved fashion magazines. So I would be going through, I'd be tearing out what I wanted, and then I would eventually seek it out myself. I wouldn't be writing, just going to write a little email to uh, Rosie and say, fabulous shoot the other day. It's not a dialogue. It's me consuming as an individual and then making that purchasing decision. So I, I think it's super, super important from a business perspective, from a mindset perspective, from a marketing perspective, not to chase metrics or compare yourself based on metrics that you don't really know if they are relevant to your own business, your own core client. It's it's silly. It's something that a lot of people stress so much about, and yet it may not be impacting your client growth at all. I completely agree. And I just want to share this one last thing with you. I I definitely am active on social media, but I have pulled back a lot because what I realized was that I was spending so much time creating content for social media when if you don't have a strategy in place, that can just become a waste of time. So I'm now very targeted about what I'm putting on social media, how much time I'm spending there. And then I'm using that time to actually be strategic about creating and implementing, you know, things that can generate income in your business because time is money. Time is money. So, and and I'm not money focused, but I also just think that we get so caught up in thinking that we need to be on the platform so much that you're only one person in your business who's doing the stuff you know, who's working on the business mm. and it be you. So, you know, creating those partnerships, coming up with, you know, for me, it was taking time, stepping away and going, okay, how can I create this group membership subscription? What are the ins and outs? Creating the syllabus for that, that I'm hope that I hope will run into that. And so you're actually creating impactful content as opposed to content that blink and it's gone. Thank you so much, Rosie. That has been fantastic and really, really great advice. For the listeners, please feel free to send in any emails, questions that you have for Rosie. Thank you very much for your time and sharing all of your insights. Thank you for having me on, Sarah. I know we've been following each other for a little while and I, like I said, I'm so glad our paths have crossed again um, in this new iteration of us. (laughs) Me too. Thank you, honey. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Styling Advisory Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing success stories from stylists on how they built their empires. We offer all stylists a complimentary empire planning session. Head to our website and complete the online form to book yours in today at www.stylingadvisory.com.au. Keep up to date with the latest episodes, news and business tips by following at the Styling Advisory on Instagram and Facebook.